Kira huffed dramatically as she rolled over for the umpteenth time in as many minutes. The torch always made it tricky to tell how much longer she had in bed before she was supposed to help with chores. It seemed like that was all she was doing now that her mother was nearly too pregnant to move with the new baby. Maybe that was why she'd been restless lately, or more so than usual anyway, even between helping at the forge, being up early and down late at night, it felt like someday she could still crawl out of her skin. Almost like she could feel rows and rows of little insects marching up and down her legs, her fingers and toes whispering something she could almost hear, but only ever seemed to feel. It wasn't scary, though. Or mostly it wasn't. There'd been that time that boy had made Sage cry and she'd lost her temper, but aside from that, the weirdly buzzy sensation had been gone for almost a day afterwards, and it wasn't very long, but it was enough to let her sleep like a normal person. Now it just made her want to look for fights, which she was sure her mother would hate if she knew, and, and Kira would never, of course. That wasn't her. Never would be. Still, though, she was just trying to decide what Parter might have to say on the issue, when a blurred silhouette darted across the pale purple light overhead. She sat up instinctively, reaching for her dagger by the bedside, even knowing it would be useless for her purposes, whatever those were. Instead, she saw at the foot of her bed a small, black scorpion. Kira stayed for a second. Insects had never bothered her. Not even the stingy kind. She quickly scanned the room for any points of ingress, only thinking it odd later on that she couldn't find any. Turning green eyes back to the scorpion, her senses suddenly alight, she sat forward, intrigued. It was tiny. She could have crushed it in a palm. Unthinking, she offered a few fingers forward, and then her whole hand. The scorpion, which had been so still as to seem almost a toy, scuttled forward several inches and then stopped suddenly as if to regard her. Kira grinned, enraptured, suddenly feeling like a snake charmer. Distantly, she wondered what Carter would say. And later, while she was nursing a nasty sting, she would wonder again at how quickly she seemed to heal and how the whole time the buzz in her skin seemed almost to become a soothing hum instead. This is Pod Against the Machine. To Pot Against the Machine, the only podcast in the world that's slowly filling up with tube skeletons. There's one, there's one, there's another one. I'm your host, and here's everybody. Hello. Hello. <laughs> that was like half an hour of silence. It's not half an hour. We've had much longer silences. No, I think I, I, I went completely gray during that silence. You can't prove that you weren't just a tube skeleton temporarily. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> I was pondering the tube skeleton. Um, As one does. Aren't we all tube skeletons in a meat wrapper? Mm-hmm. Well, the meat could be the tube around the skeleton. Mm. Well, and deep. we've already got an episode title before we've recorded anything else. <laughs> the meat could mm-hmm. be the tube. <laughs> 
And it doesn't have to be meat for all you vegan and vegetarian people. Yeah, it could be a meat-based. Uh, I meant to say flesh wrapper, right. but mm. plant-based yeah. supplement. It's just all uh, cashews around. <laughs> cashews <laughs> all around. Like, like John Steinbeck once said, all podcasters are just uh, temporarily embarrassed meat skeletons. Truly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, before his time. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Dust Bowl podcasts. Totally thrown off. Well, last time on the program, uh, the party made their way through an abandoned, crashed um, ship in the haunted part of town. They found a um, bunch of open doors, a bunch of rusty walls and things. Um, I think there was a room full of poltergeists that uh, threw bombs, which was fun. And they found, um, looked like an old melted down engine that uh, is definitely not going to work any longer. Um, it might have been a space bidet. We're not clear if there actually was a functioning space bidet, but we're hoping. And um, then there were tube skeletons, which nobody wanted to touch, which was very mean. Then they crawled through the um, partially collapsed passage leading to the cockpit where they found um, a still relatively intact corpse of a guy in a red jumpsuit. Of course, he then popped up and turned into a horrible wraith and tried to kill everybody. Got critted and disappointingly fell and just like around. But he had a recording on him talking about all sorts of weird cryptic things that didn't make a whole lot of sense, but he specifically mentioned securing an inhibitor facet, which he happened to have in his pockets amongst all his other goodies. The party was unable to identify the inhibitor facet, but they brought it back to Dinvaya, who rolled extremely well, and let them know that that is a little USB dongle sort of thing that can be plugged into an AI and can make it suck. So uh, it's actually a technological artifact. Um, that's where we are now in the Clockwork Tower. It, or chapel. It's not a tower. It's only the one floor. It's a tower for ants. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, yeah, and it's the end of a nice long adventuring day. There we are. What is this? A tower for ants? <laughs> Somebody had to. You neglected to mention that we also acquired a grenade launcher, which is ah, yes. Key. cooler than cool. I think I blocked that out of the brain. <laughs> I didn't. It's on my one note. <laughs> I don't think Asher has the carrying capacity for grenade launchers. That is possible. <laughs> yeah, I'll just start getting you a little floating disc. Every day that can just <laughs> chill between us and uh, just put all your guns on it. So you're saying it's the end of end of the day right now. We just got back from Ghost Canyon, right? Yeah, I mean it's not really the end of the day. The only thing you did was go out to the Ghost Canyon, but and that took a a good while between searching the ship and the journey there and back. You can certainly press on with more adventuring if you so choose. So I do remember that I had asked 
Asher had asked Invaya to prepare Masterwork Transformation for the next morning. So looking forward to that. On on the way to enchanting, we are. Um, yeah, do... Invaya, um, tomorrow we... Looks around at the rest of the group. I believe we're attempting Hellion. Uh, we appreciated your efforts towards bolstering up big stuff for the uh, preview fight. Is there any way that you could um, use a bit more magic on us tomorrow? Anything that you could think that could, I don't know, give us an edge, you know? Well, like, uh, could, I could provide a magic vestment again. That's the only thing that will last any appreciable time, I think. That would be appreciated. Do you have anything that... Oh. Go ahead. No, please go ahead. No, it's fine. I was going to make a dumb joke about her not being able to do Jeff's gun. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, can you provide something that takes the exact same spell slot as... <laughs> make master... Yeah. Um, Cut all that. I'd be happy to... If, if she wants the magic vestment one or a few of us tomorrow that'd be cool i don't think bricks would maybe be in the running for that one just because i'm all mage armory and shieldy but um big stuff uh, vargas hmm? i don't need, what are you wearing for armor Jura? what am i wearing for armor? i have a plus one studded leather who's got that plus one breastplate on kira maybe i have I think she's the only one of us that can wear heavy armor. Right? Oh, that's a medium. Masterwork chainmail. Ooh. Oh, you. Then we need to at least oh, get. We should probably switch to the breastplate. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Is the breastplate medium? I thought it was heavy. It's medium. It's medium. It's medium, but the chainmail I think is is a better armor bonus than the plus one oh, breastplate. Crazy. Oh, because you get your dex bonus. Yeah. I have. Yeah, no idea how to interpret those numbers, so I'm just guessing here. I take that back. No, I, uh, I, if you stick it on and click it, it'll show you which there. one is better. Yeah, that's the thing that's always confusing. It's like, this one has a higher base bonus, but this one lets you get your full deck, so if you have a high dex, it's better. It's just so freaking confusing. No, yeah, unless you're playing like a character that's just like, screw it, put me in heavy armor, I have negative dex then like it is always mm -hmm. that weird balance for rogues in particular and, and mm -hmm. characters with any. Um, so anyway, um, cutting all of this out, uh, fun logistics, extra Patreon stuff for our real deep pod, just Bell and Dora. We'll just send this to her <laughs> when we're done. Um, <laughs> so yeah, uh, you know, possibly magic vestment, the, um, the upgrade to ashes, gun, uh, kind words and moral support but um yeah just anything really I uh he looks down at the facet and he looks up and he's like I thought I had an idea what we were fighting and um I'm becoming less sure every day uh, that is also the matter of our um bandage covered friend from last night I have him tucked away in the storage closet. 
We are never not taking prisoners. <laughs> it's just like we just can't get through a fight and just kill them all. We always just got to be like, Sam, retain a voice and a name for one of these guys. Wow. Um, this uh, creature, it's from the Darklands, I believe we decided, right? Most likely hired out mercenaries or some other sort of outside help. I doubt it would have much information that could help us about the inner workings of the base or what type of troops Hellion has left. It might not be worth it to take time out of our limited amount of time before they can regroup to attempt to interrogate it. If it is nighttime and we're about to sleep, no, not any time. I take this back. If this is possible end of day for us, um, because we are, you know, waiting for masterwork transformation or whatever, we could fill the night with a little bit of a little friendly fun and interrogation, you know? <laughs> We're so good at it. I do love interrogating <laughs> people. Am I misremembering that we tried to ask him questions and didn't get much out of him? Um, I believe you just basically knocked him out and tied him up okay that sounds like us <laughs> definitely sounds like us uh, yeah, i think we, we tried to interrogate the, the sconce right yes yeah. this guy is not yet interrogated yeah i was gonna say you might be blending your memories together of the other dozen people that we've uh taken prison <laughs> the other the small underground <laughs> fellow <laughs> seriously <laughs> Uh, not the other one, but the, you know, the last one, not the other other one. Asher, um, you, you have the most even hand and sensible mind of the four of us. Do you, uh, you want to see if they're up to talk? Well, I certainly don't mind giving it a try. Diplomacy sometimes gets us farther than intimidation, I suppose. Although if I fail, I'm certain that Vargas or Kira might be able to convince our as yet unnamed companion. Yeah, you got a party full of ultimatums behind you, but... Is the, uh, was this the Dark Stalker? Uh, it's one of the Dark Creepers. The Stalker creepers. exploded, yeah. Okay. Is the Dark Creeper conscious? Yeah, he's stuffed in a closet, but he's conscious. Okay, I mean, he could be asleep in a closet. <laughs> Not this guy. I appreciate the ping of the closet on the map. <laughs> it really helps my immersion. He's escaping, get him. <laughs> <laughs> they're so cute i like love their little proportions i think i think they're adorable it's one of the better compliments they remind you can me of the uh little monster guys from phantasm anybody else here seen those movies with the tall man it's a horror series. The main hero is a middle-aged bald guy that drives an ice cream sure, truck. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's news. Sounds real. Played by Angus Scrim. Mm. Okay, I've seen clips of this. Okay, 
All right, I, I, I see your reference. This is... Yeah. yeah, the bad guy has these little minions that work for him, and they basically look like them. It's really, uh, it's, it's the fit for me. This is like rogue <laughs> chic. Um, if this was a TikTok, I'd be buying Drip. all of this stuff mm-hmm. <laughs> on <Indeed>. Amazon. <laughs> Aren't they like filthy though? Aren't they like disgusting little creatures? Isn't that like the thing they wear like tons and tons of wrappings and don't like, they just wrap on the wrappings? Yeah. Uh, Asher will approach this creep this weirdo tom york and and say well i i expect that your accommodations weren't exactly four star but now that you're having an opportunity to stretch your legs a bit are you also feeling talkative my friend we'd really like some information about why you were sent here and by whom i'm gonna roll a 20-sided polyhedral 23 23 is pretty good so um the little dark creeper who is um sitting on the floor in the closet there he's got his arms bound behind him and he's clad in 3,000 layers of dirty rags um he's looking way up at Asher who's canonically much taller than a dark creature dark creeper at least and he says uh we well we come here to kill you. Of course. Thought that was clear. We stabbed you personally several times. Why, yes, I fondly remember that. Excellent precision, by the way. Who, might I ask, sent you to see to our imminent demise? The, the Lady Tatterface. She say to come and kill you. So we do it. Lady Tatterface is always right. I'm sure she is. With a name like that, it only makes sense to me that she'd also have quite an accurate personality. Uh, how did this Lady Tatterface contact you? And do you know where we might find her to inquire as to her well-being? <laughs> I can bluff that one. <laughs> <laughs> As Jeff, the player's brain, slowly melts. <laughs> That's a dirty 20. <laughs> he does give you a very suspicious look, I think, on that one. Um, says that the Lady Tatterface is... She's down the, the arena where we all live. We are where we have always lived. She's uh, brilliant and strong, and she always knows what to do. So we do what she says. She says, kill you all, and we... I mean, we didn't, but we tried. No one could fault your effort. You certainly gave it to all. Why, one of your companions... Well, never mind, most of them rather all exploded. Tragic, really. You say you all live under the arena. Does Lady Tatterface answer to anyone, or does she speak her own mind when it comes to giving orders? 
Lady Tatterface answers to the Blood Ghost. Of course. The Blood Ghost has always been here, and the Blood Ghost is... is in charge. The Blood Ghost is the god. You say the Blood Ghost is the god. Does it go by any other name? Um... Blood Ghost? A Blood Ghost? <laughs> uh, Vargas uh, steps up next to Asher after hearing part of this conversation and says, When you say the Blood Ghost has always been here, has it started doing anything different lately? Maybe talking to more people, trying to do something that it never did before. And he's just thinking, like, Hellion is new. So if this blood ghost is Hellion, what changed if it's always been under the arena, but it, we're only just hearing about it? The, the, the blood ghost was, the, was always the god, was always here. And then Hellion comes, and now the blood ghost and Hellion are friends. And they work together, and we do what Tatterface does and says, and Tatterface does what the Blood Ghost says, and the Blood Ghost does what they decide with Hellion. Anybody who um, has it could roll uh, knowledge, history, or local on the Blood Ghost. All right, knowledge, Blood Ghost. I'm going to give it a try here. You thought that lore was never going to come in handy. <laughs> lore blood Turns ghost. out. <laughs> well, that's just the 5 for a 15 from Brixbean. A dirty 20 local from Asher. Uh, so I got an 8, which is probably not super helpful. That's not great, but I believe I heard Asher had a dirty 20. Yes. That is correct. 15 on the dice. What? I would also like to say I have a dirty 20. Oh, wow. Which, again, yeah. local or really anything knowledge-based is a big deal. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it makes more sense for Kira to know this, not so much for Asher to know it since he's not from here. But it is a DC-20 check to know that the Blood Ghosts are kind of legendary monsters in Numeria. They were, like, hundreds of years ago... There were was like a small um, force of four-armed devil red monsters that plagued the Ghost Wolves clan. Um, they were eventually defeated by, of course, a, a super powerful oracle from the Ghost Wolves who, you know, did all sorts of divine magical things and forced them back. But they haven't been heard from for 400 years. But wow. All right, yeah. You can relay that information between the two of us. I feel like Kira's just like, oh, I've heard scary stories about them. And then Asher has actual facts. Oh, yes. So is this one of those situations where they're blood ghosts, but they're not made of blood and they're not ghosts? Or they are? Yeah, I just, I'm a little confused. They're four-armed. Are they like insubstantial creatures? Okay, cool. I think it's just the name it sounds like. Yeah, I think it's just comes across as a name. They had, are, according to legend, uh, quite red, but probably not literal ghosts, but maybe. Who's to say? Just itching to whip some ghosts, <laughs> bloody or not. Yeah. <laughs> I think yeah. uh, after 
Asher and Kira relay what they know about Blood Ghosts, Vargas will say, Weren't we told that another one of Kolgar's lieutenants was a creature with four arms? Could it be this Blood Ghost? Yeah, it's that or Hetzworth is back again somehow. Which, you know, <laughs> is like an even 50-50 split for me at this point. Hearing is, is buy Brixby a helmet. <laughs> <laughs> And just, just don't go through doors I mean, first. No, just I got to get a decoy face on top of my normal face where they punch. <laughs> there yeah. you go. Like a horned lizard. <laughs> yeah, or that caterpillar that does that. It just like puts its little things onto the top of its head. And creates. Little oh, things. yeah. When it sheds, it puts the old heads on top. Mm. Yeah. Gross. Anyway, um, I mean, ooh, nature is fun. <laughs> Denvaya. Asher will turn to her. Have you heard about whether the other lieutenant that we've yet to encounter for the Lords of Rest, the one with four arms of whom we've heard, do we know whether that person's complexion is red? Uh, uh, nothing I know of. I, I've never seen the being, whatever it is, and uh, I don't know of any uh, humanoid beings with four arms, but... In this place, I mean, it certainly would not be surprised. True. So, my... My friend, I didn't catch your name. What do you call yourself? Uh, I am Yamhook. I was going to guess that. You rather look like a Yamhook, if I may say so. Yamhook, were we to visit you and your friends underneath the arena... What's the best route to get there? Are there any traps or anything we should know about? Any passwords or things along that nature? Um, there's only the one way in. Um, just through the arena. And unless you're very good at digging, you could dig a tunnel, maybe, in from the side or something. But um, I think you just have to come in the front door. I see. Anybody else have questions for Yumpoke? What? Uh, he, Brixby just kind of walks up to Asher and does that thing where he looks at him and then gestures Asher to come down so he can whisper in his ear and he's like, What do you think? Or what, what will he do if we let him go? He seems rather loyal to this lady tattered face in the chain of command. Either he may attempt to fulfill his quest and seek to kill us, or he may return and alert the others that we are coming. Yeah, that's my concern. Yeah, and Vargas would absolutely agree that it's not a good idea to let this guy go until after we raid them, because, yeah, he'd either immediately try to kill us again, or he'd go and warn them we were coming. We just, yeah, tape him back down to the floor. He's been in a, what, storage closet, you said? Yeah. Does Dinvaya need that space? Uh, he doesn't take up too much space. Can we just leave him in your closet for, like, a minute? Or a mission? I suppose, as long as he doesn't make too much noise. <laughs> you could try to put a little seat in the junk golem and see if you can get him to drive it. You know, I don't know if that's on the design board or not. But lock the door first? Just in case. <laughs> uh, he 
sort of tries to raise a hand, though his hands are still tied behind his back, and he goes like, If I may, um, you could, you could just let me go instead, like as a alternate plan that oh. you could consider. We I could just leave. Yeah. We don't really do a lot of that. We, um, just, you know, in terms of the things that we do once we have prisoners, they're pretty much, uh, well, and then she'll look at Vargas and be like, it's unsavory. Uh, so, no. Sorry. Yeah, you're on what we call the prisoner track right now, and it usually winds up with you becoming a sconce or an accomplice to terrorism. Possibly both, but um, in the interim, there is no discussion. You are staying here. Um... But I answered all your questions. I was a big help. I could just, you know, yeah, that's just not go in a closet. That's why we're not killing you. Um, Good job. Have you ever thought about how biologically ironic it is that upon your death, you render all of your compatriots of the similar heritage blind and unable to battle? I would encourage you then, at this juncture, to perhaps go back into the closet before we consider you to be uh, a flashbang, as it were. Brixby wouldn't, like, <laughs> coup de grace him to blind a bunch of dark stalkers, but it would be kind of funny if I was an evil character. Um, nice sense motive on Brixby. <laughs> <laughs> It really does point out a crazy flaw in their anatomy, too. That's wild. <laughs> yeah, could you imagine they're all, like, working on ladders, and then one of them falls, and the next one's blind, so it falls off a ladder, and then just, you know, it's... And if one of them's a dark And since stalker, they're adjusted to dark, they're even more blind than normal people would be with that like lemmings, yes. Truly one of Galarian's better ironies. Poor dark creepers. Yeah, that'll be fine. Poor Yumpoke. F in the chat for young poke, everybody. <laughs> All right, so we locking young poke up to um, enjoy his closet and plot his revenge. I mean, hopefully, mostly the former, uh, but I think for now, at least keeping him here until after we've yeah, completed book two, for lack of a concise way of putting it. Carol put a little bowl of water on the floor in the closet. If you're good, then Vile will read you some poems. In character. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we have some fine ones in our Discord right now. Thank you That's so very true. much. Our wonderful, creative, <laughs> active Discord community. Please join us. That mid-episode ad reel. <laughs> well, RSG and High, you know, was cranking out the poetry. A truly a collection. Yeah, the... <laughs> Network Against the Machine chat book of <laughs> Kite's poems. Uh, maybe, maybe down the line. All right. Want to stuff this weirdo in a closet and have a bad night and then have a better day? <laughs> I like it. Sounds like that's the plan. Sounds good. Just wondering what he's doing here. He doesn't belong here. <laughs> <laughs> so I believe in another episode, Denvaya said that one of us will eventually get the bed. Right? Is this Kira's night? Do we have like a chore wheel? Is this the... Are we in rotation She yet? definitely said she was open to it. Um, I think since you all saved her life uh, the other day, she did agree that one of you could have the bed tonight. 
So I don't know if you want to do like a roll off for it or what. Bricks would normally go for it, but I think he's he's a little too freaked out, so he's gonna he's gonna wait, maybe stay up a little bit later tonight. Yeah, I think actually, just in term, we would love. She'll sit in the bed, just sit on the bed, as you know. We've we've played put the prize, chainsaw but... in the bed, <laughs> just tuck, <laughs> no, tuck the chainsaw. There you go. That's true. The glyph of warding that canonically exists. You are right, Jeff. Well, if we are closing the book on this adventuring day, I think. The, as the sun goes down and uh, night creeps in and the, you're all surrounded by the now familiar ambience of the constantly turning gears and clattering machines of the clockwork chapel, I think it's uh, time to go around the table and just check in as we're, you know, we're getting close to something big, it seems like. You've, you've got an idea of what you're facing tomorrow and um, anybody want to Give us some insight into what's going on in your head. So Brixby, um, yeah, so you mentioned the light is like receding, right? And the dark is just kind of starting to pool. And I imagine it's probably like pooling in between sort of like jagged moving teeth of the gears. And you see this sort of rippling undulation of shadow. And things haven't been right since the receiver array, right? Like, throughout the day, it just, it, like, creeps in. Kind of like light around a boarded-up window, but but in reverse. Like, there's this taste of ozone and this, like, choking, oily dark that just pushed its way through his mind. There's that, like, cold alien consideration of his consciousness that was basically just speared and wriggling on the end of like a jagged black tentacle. Um, and he still feels that like kind of callous, unearthy gaze on him and it, and that, like this itchy anxiety that like borders on disassociation. And it, it, it's like it's seeped in between, right? It's like in the interstices, it's in the cracked bits and it's like filled them up with this profound emptiness. It's like a, it's like a crawling void. It's like an echo of a dead man that just gets louder and louder until it swells to like a loud cacophony and it just coagulates and defines and segments until the rubble of what's left of Brixby's dissolute memories are just framed in concert distinction to the profound absence of like any surety of being. I mean, who the hell is Izzy anymore, right? Like, was this existence even truly worth the life that it cost like can he save anyone after so thoroughly destroying himself and the others can he exist in like the increments of valiant effort and the misconceptions and lies that he calls home in the minds of his friends and everyone who knows him like god help numeria if this is the best that these beaten desperate planes have to offer bricks begins to bed. <laughs> That's, it's not a good night for Brixbo. He's he's struggling. Um, but I just want to give him a hug, IRL. <laughs> Conversely, ish. Um, Kira's had an exciting couple of days. Was it not even two weeks ago? She was just chilling at home, and then the torch went out, and she 
experienced her first rage cycle and like almost killed her sister and ran away from home and then some strangers came and found her and they let and they fixed the city and and now she is out on her own ish for the first time in her life the first time that she's ever left torch in her own memory um and a lot of this is like pretty exciting this is She's always had dreams of going on adventures. It's what her mom used to do. It's what she had always planned to do uh, with Parta when they were like old enough. And one way or another, they are out there making it happen. And that's so exciting. Uh, but it also comes with these, you know, bizarre realizations that that sometimes adventuring is like scary or, or dangerous or sad. Um, and I think she's still very much in the mind space of like I, this this invulnerability of like childhood where you're like a kid and the scariest things that exist are like very tangible fake things like monsters under the bed and and bad things happening to your mom and dad. Um, and we've moved past that. This is all past that. This is this is bad things did happen to her mom and dad. And and the monster under the bed is kind of an ass who exists on the screen, but still wants to destroy her and her friends and her town for these reasons that she can't fathom. And all of this is sort of like none of, not at all the storybook romantic sense that she was thinking when she was like ready to adventure out in the first place. So she's excited. She's scared. She feels a compulsion and need to like stay with these people that she's met and somehow make herself worth them and and her town and become becoming with them so like she has this idea before before leaving um scrap wall which is inevitable i think at this point she's still very much like we've we've seen a lot of bad things we've defeated them all um she has this idea of of had this idea of wanting to find her biological mother and has been like almost dreaming of it ever since that fight in the arena and up till that day it was like a good sort of hopeful thing and after that day the first the first fight the one that she lost the dream sort of changed and it went from her imagining herself just like ringed in this purple fire and she can hear the voices of her friends and family around her um to that that fire being doused in like um like a like mud almost, the color of, of rust. Uh, like in the opening of, um, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark when they throw the sand out into the thing, except for it's bad. Like you throw the sand out and it's it's terrible, it's horrible. And it's just darkness there. And somehow in the outline of the dark, there's this hulking figure at the other end of the arena. And every night it gets a little bigger and a little closer and she's not even sure who it is anymore. Um, it, these These questions are like, rushing through her mind just screaming through her mind in a dizzying blur it's faster and, and sharper and scarier than than like the teeth of this brand new chainsaw chainsaw that she's acquired and since put to bed what if she didn't find her mom or what if she did what if they found her and it was terrible and what if they found her and it wasn't what then asher is he's trying to fall asleep he thinks back to that. It was almost like a haunt when they opened the door and saw the body against the, what I guess is a flight. <laughs> he wouldn't know, but like the flight controls of this crashed ship. And between that and the audio recording that they listened to, it's, it's as though they experienced the, the ship's mission ending in failure. <laughs> And 
it's it's a strange feeling to sort of sympathetically absorb the loss that these people seemingly at least in their own minds we don't know their intentions uh, can't detect evil on the past <laughs> but seemed to have good intentions and were making an effort to write something that had escaped to capture to put back something where it belongs and and it seems trying to connect these dots that what they're about to do tomorrow there's a chance they could complete that mission maybe not maybe he'll die trying <laughs> and it's not that he's taken their mission as his own but he feels that stopping hellion isn't just about torch or scrap wall or numeria or even galarian it's it, it's starting to creep in his mind that as powerful as hellion thinks they are could his aspirations go even farther is there something like if if they don't stop hellion could hellion take over more than just the world i don't know asher doesn't know but he feels he feels a strong conviction to to make sure that the worst case scenario doesn't happen and and he thinks back to when he was confident that he was going to die trying to take down smiler headquarters and he told Kira to run, go away, save yourself. And he pulls the pin from a grenade and he just stands there and holds it to ensure that his friends could get away. And it was really close. Marrow's kind of parting shot took him within, you know, the equivalent of what it feels like to be single digit HP from, from permadeath. <laughs> Uh, in biological terms. He felt really messed up. <laughs> and yet, in spite of all these situations where it could be perceived that this group may not be as capable as their name suggests, or at least may not have the most tactically sound approach to situations, <laughs> Asher serves a god of luck, and it has been a lot of luck that his companions and, and he are still alive <laughs> and are growing in strength. And it seems from when we first walked into Scrapwall and had to convince the guards to let us in and we could see on the map, the physical map, all this territory used to belong to these people. And now we have this small amount, like this quarter size peace carved out for ourselves and the rest of it has all been lost to the lords of rust uh, and we've slowly been kicking them out of these places they've overtaken and it's a good feeling and although there's some concern of course i think it'd be crazy to to not be uh, concerned about tomorrow now there's apparently a blood ghost also uh, but be that as it may, this 
luck that has continued to get them to where they are. Asher just, once he's able to kind of clear his mind of the crashing ship and focus on what they plan to do tomorrow, uh, he he feels it's a lucky turn that they caught Yampoke. Yampoke. Uh, and now they know more of what they're stepping into than they would have otherwise. Uh, they tried to kill us in our sleep, but instead they gave us information that will help us win tomorrow. And Caldera's kind of got his back. And he goes to sleep looking forward to seeing what tomorrow holds. Uh, Vargas honestly feels perfectly fine. This is normal to him. And he just unrolls his uh, bedroll and lays down in it and goes to sleep. However, uh, once he's asleep, he basically closes his eyes on the ground of the cathedral. And to him, it feels like immediately opens them. And he is once again standing in a field encircled by mountains on all sides. And part of his brain knows this is a dream. He knows there's no place really like this in Numeria. But that part of him is buried very deep. And the main part of him just is like, okay, we're here for the fight. And he looks out in front of him and he sees the massive army of the Sunderhorns but as he's looking at it, the army starts to shift and roil, and they all start, like, merging together, like, uh, a reference he wouldn't get is the T-1000 kind of pulling itself back together at the end of Terminator 2. And they just converge together and rise up into this mass that then takes the form of the version of Hellion that we saw on the TV just this upper body coming up out of the ground of this giant uh, red-brown demon. And he just looks up at this thing in terror and it slams its hand down. And at first he thinks it missed and he then looks to the side and he realizes that this hand crushed the army he was at the head of. And as he looks at them, he realizes that rather than the army he normally sees in his visions, which is just this generic mishmash of Kelids, none of them ever look exactly like anyone he's ever met, but instead this time it's just hundreds of copies of the rest of the adventuring party. And he sees in this smashed crater left by Hellion's hand just hundreds of broken bodies of all these copies of Brixby, and Kira and Asher and he just falls to his knees and screams and as he screams he wakes up and it's early morning and he's just catches himself before he screams in real life and just decides that even though he doesn't feel like he got as much sleep as he needs he's up for the day and he starts trying to think about the dream, and he just can't bring himself to do it. Like all the rest of the visions he's had, 
it he remembers it perfectly. He can see every one of the broken bodies. So he just does his best to push it out of his mind and gets his spell book out and starts preparing. Thank you, everybody, for those glimpses. And I'm going to have to award each of you a Sky Medal uh, for those looks into your characters' minds and preparation for the day to come. Not that you'll need the Sky Medals, of course. There's surely no danger left in the book or AP, probably. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Sam. I truly thought that you were just going to say, Vargas rolls out his bedroll and sleeps like he does every night. <laughs> because <laughs> is it your first time here roiling and, and mortal indecision and, and compunction and sadness and loss? I was born here. Yeah, no. Um, so. A super emotionally healthy party. It's all going so well. Everyone's doing great. And I think that's yeah. that's the key takeaway. So um, the sun does eventually rise. Um, for some, it might seem to take longer than it should. And for others, it comes entirely too soon. But the sun rises over Scrapwall. And it is the 26th of Eridus, a date that might just live in infamy. What's everybody doing this morning? Booking it back to Torch. I think getting Master of Transformation cast on the gun, son. <laughs> Go and shake her awake. <laughs> Good morning, Denvaya. <laughs> the gun is pointed barrel right into her face. Just if uh, <laughs> He just like slips the handle into her hand. And like, you can lay there if that's most comfortable for you. The verbal and somatic components, etc. If only I had knowledge nature, he would try to emulate a chicken. I just would need um, about an hour to work on this. And um, you will, of course, pay for the material components required. Absolutely. We'll take it out of the LLC. That's what I'm calling the group fund now. <laughs> that makes sense. That probably won't last. It seems very professional that way. Yes. While you're doing that, I'll work on repairing one of these other broken pistols. I do have so many. I assume the gun that Asher is, is giving her is his original uh, pistol. Not one it of the, is. Not one of the ones he's found on the various corpses and prisoners. Yes, that is correct. He gives. He will trust her with his own gunslinger's battered pistol on its last moments of being battered to be breaded and deep fried and she takes off with it she just runs right out the front door and she's, she's gone uh, man <laughs> well uh Asher's gonna aim that new mind burner gun at her and uh exact try and revenge. give her bad headaches <laughs> after rolling around in her bed for like six minutes he'll get up and chase after her <laughs> No, she'll take it into her workshop and get to work casting Masterwork Transformation. Yay! Um, Brixby's going to grab Mara's book. Um, gross thing that it is. And, and walk over to Vargas, put it down on the ground and say, Do you know what you're preparing today? Yes, actually, I woke up a bit earlier than the rest of you and... I've actually already prepared what I believe I'll need for today. But if you want to prepare something out of her book, go right ahead. I'll also 
allow you to look over mine again if you want to. Uh, yeah, I think I might. Uh, there was one in here I might add on today. Uh, it's hard to tell. I, uh, magic in here makes me uncomfortable, but some of it might be useful. Um, with that, I'll give you one. Just one. He prepares the, the parting shot that uh, Jeff had discussed. For the first time, he prepares Lightning Bolt. Ooh, that's a fun one. Yeah. Nice. I was actually thinking of the Scorching Ray that she tossed specifically at Asher Oops. before she left. But well, Don't you worry. I got a wand full of uh, uh, Scorchy Doodles, as we have canonically oh, yeah. named them. <laughs> Lightning Bolt, though. Chef Kiss. Mm-hmm. Lightning Bolt. A little LARP humor. Yeah, there's a strong discussion going on in Roll20 about what to attach the gravity clip to. And if you're at home saying the chainsaw, <laughs> then you have joined the chorus. Congratulations. If you want to trade, uh, Asher could give you the light hammer. It does a D4 instead. The tra- uh, and trade the. You could take the, the chainsaw. Yeah. Oh. Gosh, no. no. <laughs> that was Asher is not asking. That's just no. I, I, I just silly. it's just <laughs> no. Like, and I recognize joking, but no. Asher just has so few weapons, though. It's true. <laughs> It'd be fun to like. I could just tie it on to a single little tooth and let it do a thing. That'd be fun. <laughs> just fling it around. <laughs> <laughs> My nine-year-old had the thought of it. Could you tape it to the end of the hammer? That's a really it's good a idea. <laughs> All right. Any other prep for the day, or are we ready to roll out? Yeah, unless Denvaya's got like a bunch of scrolls of daylight or something, which is the only thing that I, I Brixby is just like, oh God, we don't have this. <laughs> we were, ugh. I don't, I mean, this, yeah, I don't this is a little meta table so. talk, but like, man, that Dark Creeper battle really showed us one of our blind spots. No, no pun intended. Like, Hey, but no, but really I'm terrified. So I guess if we are expecting to fight more of them, potentially, we could always swing by old Julie Julie on the way. Does she have like a, a permanent place or is, is it like Burning Man? She just like crawls out of a <laughs> hole and sells scrolls and then just goes back to it. I think that's mostly a, a night market thing. Most of the time, she's probably off doing her own scavenging somewhere, so you don't necessarily know where to find her. Well, we also don't know if she's just standing there unaware of the fact that there isn't always a night market. <laughs> she is the night market. <laughs> Y'all want to go kill a god? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Man of his evil, certainly. Absolutely. Well, he's a jerk, at least, which... You know, God has to count for something. All right. Have fun storming the uh, arena. Dinvaya, um, can I talk to you for a second? Of course. And he walks a little bit away from the group, and it's just like, if uh, if we don't make it out, Red Tooth, she's got explosives. I want you to just bury it. I mean, make sure we're dead. Please, please, make <laughs> sure we're dead. But, I mean... If we do not come back, I want you to bury it. Uh, you want to you want to set a specific time limit, or should I just uh, wing it? <laughs> <laughs> if we're not back in two days, all right. Maybe three, and just to be on the safe side. No, it's we're two. We're not it's back in it. three days. 
<laughs> I'm already locked yeah, into no. two. I can't well, change my schedule now. In three days, I have a hair appointment. Are you counting for <laughs> the holiday? Yeah, let's. I think just uh, yeah. You it was know, three business, business days. days. It was two, yeah. It was it's just a long weekend right now. And uh, do you do you even celebrate Arbor Day here if you don't have trees? Oh, that's an interesting question. I'll have to uh, consult the. I don't know who would even be the authority on that. <laughs> Perhaps try rolling a knowledge local. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd like to think that there's one of the gangs maintains a community calendar. <laughs> like it's the Parks and Rec group. <laughs> there's one person who's a... Unfortunately, it was Mero, so... Oh, no. <laughs> no, there's just one person out there who's appointed themselves the Scrapwell Registrar slash Town Clerk. And and they make daily announcements. Today is Arbor Day. <laughs> Fortunately, that person was the one that uh, Brooksby killed, and they tried to yeah, run away Brooks. at the end of the Kolnar fight. That is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he had the run of a notary, and that was my first inclination. He needed to die. Yeah. Uh, all right. No, we are a very pro-notary podcast, uh, despite the we love notaries. <laughs> notaries, math majors, we love them all. Various generations <laughs> coming together. Oh, yeah, <laughs> we're a multi generational pro notary podcast. <laughs> the only multi generational. It's really our vibe. Yeah, the, yeah. Come to our Discord. It's a safe space. <laughs> we know what Sam's uh, opening line for the next episode yeah, you is can, the you can only multi generational notary friendly <laughs> podcast. <laughs> We're the only openly multi-generational. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people will hide it, you know. There's a there's that well, there's a stigma in being pro-notary these days, but not us. Most people are afraid of the sort of anti-embossing uh, community. Oh. Yeah. Anti-embossing agenda. Yeah, they've got year. a strong lobby. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah, big so, watermark. I think is <laughs> always always have to get them. <laughs> I always like to imagine in moments like this, Dinvaya is just looking on as our disembodied voices echo from the sky with some <laughs> dumb stuff. <laughs> just watching the nonsense and shaking your head. Now, was that tomorrow or day after? Three no, business three days. days. Three days. Well, you're 20th gone. of Eridus. She's, she's forgotten, and um, she's just going to blow you all up later today. <laughs> <laughs> I will call it tonight. <laughs> I might as well just do it now. Get ahead of things. So let me just pop you onto a different map as you make your way across Scrap Wall back to the Scrap Master's Arena. That familiar place. And it is. As we're. Uh getting there. Is Kolgara's head still up at uh, Jimmy Fame's booth? No, it's gone. Uh, it's going to do something really cinematic. Uh, but instead, uh, as we enter the arena, you see Vargas concentrate for a moment, and out of the ground around him, just all these bits of bone burrow out and start floating around him. You're not the only one with a defending bone. I was definitely going to pull the teeth out of Kolgara <laughs> for that spell, but uh, <laughs> she's gone. So, Yeah, Malachi pulled that one out on us, right? Yeah. Mm, R.I.P. Mm-hmm. Understudy. <laughs> hit, a, hit myself with the normal 
buffaruskis of mage armor and shield as I arrive. They roll up to the building. And is the can- and as oh, is the canonical nice. standard. Um, Kira sees Brixby do the shield. Just, oh, yep, mm-hmm. Does the thing, and then... I couldn't help but notice that it appears as though we have an adoring fan base awaiting us 200 feet away on the opposite side of the arena. Oh, God, I didn't scroll all the way over there. Oh, yeah, you have man. to zoom out to 40% <laughs> or, or less. You might be able to see from a, a long, long distance. There are a few people perched up on um, Hellscarg's kind of redoubt up there. You know, I've never um, asked this, but very far away. what the heck made those tire marks? I never got to break out oh, the, the cherry. The cherry, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah, duh, I forgot, but it seems like a really inefficient way to fight. Yeah. It's just, it's just the dawning of the age of the cherry. <laughs> oh. I get that Especially because it's being pulled by people, right? It's mm. like the ogres are pulling it. It's not even like a horse. Yeah. Yeah. I will say, uh, is it obvious to Asher and us, like, these people are just there. They're not trying to hide. And they're kind of crouched down. Um, you might say that they have some mechanical cover, and mm-hmm. uh, they're 250 feet away from you. But, yeah, you, you can see they're there. Something that I want to make sure is known on, on the radio, Asher loaded that grenade launcher. <laughs> there are some grenades in there. And that 100-foot range could come in handy. Oh, yeah. Wow, it's almost as if they're just there in grenade formation. Beautiful. I had that thought. I would have kept that thought to myself until we had moved 100 feet closer. They didn't hear that thought. They're too far away. No. And Sam wouldn't bet a game like that. (laughs) He's a professional. Dirty tactics. They know all about the grenade launcher. They've been thinking about that one. How do they know about it? We stole it from the ghost land that no one ever yeah, goes they, to. they um, were watching on cable. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry about it. No, we broke all their TVs. <laughs> yeah, uh, quick point of process. When we were walking over, I'm sure we're all in this boat, but smash literally every TV at the outset of any combat. We can handle all the meat space stuff later. Um, speaking of which, y'all want to approach the meat? <laughs> Trying to give that last episode title a run for its money. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Oh, boy. This one's just going to have a chain of titles. (laughs) Let's approach the meat, Asher says, with a look of confusion and some disgust. (laughs) Brixby, do you really think of all people in such harsh terms? I mean, I don't know. My, my man used to, my man. My dad used to say that uh, man is just a pile of misery and meat. So you know, it's a little nadism, as it were. Well, I am sorry that your misanthropic father has made such an impression upon you. Yeah, but I do appreciate you opening up to share from your past. Well, I mean. I'm pretty sure I'm legally not allowed to take a level in Rogue if I don't have an edgy father problem. So, you know, uh, <laughs> thankful for the small daddy issues, I guess. It's funny because you're a small creature. <laughs> I know, and I have a small daddy, so I was <laughs> tiny, tiny daddy issues. Okay. 
Small daddy approach the meat. Let's go. Um, Small daddies with big bad daddy points. <laughs> slowly walking towards the meat. Yeah, inching our way up there. Yeah, where are we at distance right now? What's the old distance looking like? That is 190 square feet. We should have got a chariot. I feel like <laughs> them, them making us walk this whole way. It's really hard to keep up a badass gate for like 180 feet. Well, this is why they That's have true. that whole intro scene uh, in what the Hunger Games. Alicia Keys wrote a song for that. We should have had Alicia Keys write a song for us. There's still time before this goes to air. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, since Brixby is creeping out ahead of the crowd as he hits about 160 feet from the platform where all the acolytes of Hellion are. He is um, all of a sudden just gonna get a rain of crossbow bolts at him as each one of them fires. Now they're super good at this. So 14 to hit on the first one. That's a nope. How about eight? to hit. That would be a critical fail if this was 2E. How about a 5? Mmm. And a 1. Not natural. Oh, but a 16 to hit. Does that? Just add 7 Wait, to it. Wait, not natural? <laughs> Wait, a natural 16? So do these guys have a negative to their... Well, range increment, the, I assume. Yeah, they're outside the first range increment for Oh, crossbows. the range increment, yeah. <laughs> but if yeah, you'd a... like to uh, roll for initiative now, then. You've been su thoroughly surprised by these fellows who had no idea they were there. Um, so what did Brixby get? Uh, Brixbo rolled a 12 for a 19. And how about Vargas? Uh, Vargas got a 16 for an 18. And Asher? Uh, 12 plus 4 for a 16. Right. And Kira? 17 plus 5 for 22. Jeez. Well, Kira's definitely going to be first. None of these fellas can beat a 22. Well, i just roll my last two while you are getting ready. Right, I guess I'll go ahead. Oh my goodness, okay. I guess I'll go ahead and uh, embiggen myself. So uh, enlarge person, because that will... So I'm going to enlarge person and also rage. I think that'll be my turn. I, and I guess I'll move. Uh, no, no, I will not move up if they're still shooting things. All right, Brixby. Uh, gosh. Well, uh, for the folks at home, just to illustrate, we are still about 150 to 155 feet away. Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, normally he would prize this position in the initiative, but he's going to hold off a second and watch what happens. So he's going to he's going to delay. All right, Vargas. Uh, Vargas is, let's see, what do I want to do? We are really, really far away from that. <laughs> oh my god, we're so far away. Oh, this would be such a good time for Dimension Door or something. I know, which I wish I had, but that's, I think, a level 3 spell and I don't have those yet. Uh, I'm trying to think. I don't think there's really anything I could do other than move closer, and I don't want to get too far away from the rest of the group. So he is just only going to move up next to Bricks and just stop there and see what's going on. Like, obviously we know they're hostile because they're shooting at us, but he feels pretty safe after watching an entire barrage of bolts go at the squishiest party member and every single one of them miss. Ah, uh, well, Orange is going to reload and take another shot at Brixby. Brixby the Invincible. Uh, that is uh, 15 to hit. Still no dice. Alright, and Asher. Oh, Asher 
is just going to move forward. Uh, well, I guess running lowers your AC. Hmm. He'll just double move, just 60 feet closer to zoom in like 13 times <laughs> to where I could maybe see a grid. Uh, I'm gonna reinsert after Asher <clears throat> into the initiative. Rixby is going to cast a spell on himself and say, I'm right behind you, Asher, and disappear. He looks around and doesn't see him. Well, seems as though he's deceiving me. Right, and then begins a battery as four Acolytes of Hellion are all going to reload and take their shots at Asher. Still outside their first range increment, so we're looking for 20s here. We've got a 17, a 2, 7... And 14. That was four. All oh, misses. All right. And that brings us to Kira. We are still very far away, but I am enlarged now. So that's um, it's fun. Kira is still standing in the back, suddenly grows, and is canonically once more the tallest party member. Um, but she will gently shout to Asher as she attempts to catch up, which is, again, I think all we can do right here. Mm, all that's worth doing. Oh, you know what? I'm going to move and start uh, start up a chainsaw. I haven't done that yet. Forgot about that part. Let's do that. You'll move and chainsaw start. Can I can I do that? At what kind of action is starting a chainsaw? It's like a standard? Yeah, it's a standard to turn the chainsaw. Cool. So I'll move and do the old move and start. Uh, once I remember how to move it for it. Yeah, so I'm just gonna stand right behind invisible Brixby. I don't know if he's there, but I'm using him as a marker. Uh, with a chainsaw started. I don't know how you accidentally hit Brixby with the chainsaw and he's just <laughs> gore everywhere. It's it's really sad. It's, it's hard to see. Now Vargas is up. Okay, uh, Vargas is, let's see, it's 30 feet. 30 feet puts me there. Uh, he's just going to double move to get up basically next to Asher, but another five feet further south. All right, and number orange is gonna take a shot at Asher once more. Still looking for that 20. Did not get it, Asher is up. Cool, cool. <laughs> Asher is going to step forward five feet, and I'm gonna guess it's a D100 to fire this grenade launcher for the first time. Oh yeah. You would be guessing correctly. I guessed that, and then I also didn't have the D100 ready. So I'm like, aha! Cool. Fish that out here. Come yeah. on, yeah. one. Uh, 92. <sighs> Weapon functions better than anticipated, granting a plus two bonus to attack rolls made with that weapon for this round. Okay. So we got a plus two bonus on that AC5 to hit a square. I'm pretty pumped. <laughs> Because uh, uh, right in front of Elskarg's throne is 100 feet from where Asher is standing now. And this 20-foot radius burst is going to hopefully be exploding. Uh, unless I miss that AC5. Should just go to Ryan's dice. Thank you, Ryan. Natural 17 plus at least 2 is going to be more than 5. Uh, so that would require 5 reflex saves, please. These guys, based on their to-hit rolls, I think you know that you're looking at some really good reflex saves. Uh, yeah. So we'll start at the top with purple. Uh, that is an 11. Fail. On orange, uh, you're looking at a 10. Fail. On green, uh, 17. Ooh, it's a pass. Bummer. Okay. And blue, a 9. Fail. And red, who's always the leader, uh, 7. Okay. Uh, looks like one pass. That was green. This is going to be bad. Uh, going, 
going to roll 5d6 of cold damage as that zero grenade uh, just erupts from this grenade launcher. Two sixes, two fives, and a two. Not too bad. Uh, that is 24 points of cold damage to four of them and only 12 to green. Asher single-handedly blows up four acolytes of Hellion <laughs> in one shot. And the last remaining yeah, he gets one, another sky medal for that, right? <laughs> the last remaining one doesn't points. look great. Um, Asher's so much grit. grit cloud flies around him <laughs> like he's just gone super saiyan. It's just floating up into the air as these bodies just tumble off of Hellskarg's mountain, whatever you want to call it. And um, yeah, you can take a sky medal for that absurd four <laughs> kills in one shot. Okay, and Asher, uh, Asher unaware of the sky medal, uh, will look back to his party with his like big doby grin and be like that was amazing yeah mate that was an ice shot <laughs> right um <laughs> it's Brixby's turn free action I'll give you until I get over there to give up and then he's going to double move as threatening as an invisible rat person can be <laughs> that's gonna be my turn I don't know where you are I don't know how much time that is! Um, he's gonna go 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, hop down, 30, 35, 40, and run into the hallway there. And, um, did, that, did the falling damage take him out from the hop? No, oh, he just hopped down a, a cool <laughs> 10 a feet hop. there. No, no problem. And um, that takes us to Kira. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll also double move. Let's see. Um, yeah, no, we're gonna, that, that feels like the right idea. Just a little past Brixby. And as she's uh, jogging past Asher, she's like, I like your new thing. That's really cool. Thank you. Uh, that's me. All right, Vargas. Uh, Vargas is just going to, uh, he's gonna single move up to get next to Kira and... I think he's just going to stay that far. I can double move and kind of take the lead, but I don't want to split our group up too much in case these guys are trying to lure us into something. So that will be his action. All right, Asher. Yep, just uh, double move. He'll, he'll trudge on ahead. And uh, Brixby once more. Uh, Brixby, I mean, eventually I'm going to fall behind uh, double moving against everybody's double move. So I'm going to run. Um, real quick aside. Does running actually reduce your AC? I thought charging does, but I didn't know if running did. Running leaves you uh, flat-footed. Ah, that's what it is. Cool. Well, doesn't matter. That is where I'm going to be. So, Bixby's like, I'm on my way! And then leaves. It's not his voice normally, but that's his running voice. Makes sense. He's a little out of breath. Alright, and the um, Acolyte of Hellion uh, rushes back farther into the back there. Uh, Kira's up. Okay, I uh, feel like I should take some sort of handicap. You are entangled. Uh, yeah, I'm going to keep moving. Keep moving. Just fall after everyone. I guess it'll just be another double move. I should have paid more attention to where 
I'm gonna stop just right behind bricks again. Great. I'm gonna slide right up behind bricks and call it a day. Yep, that's still everything. All right, Vargas. Uh, he is actually finally going to double move to stay even with giant Kira. And Asher. Uh, he is gonna stay put now. He's gonna also double move. And then Brixby's gonna triple move. He could. I was actually literally just looking at that on my hide from others, but um, no, nah, he's just gonna double move. Uh, he doesn't need to be in the front anymore. So, uh, well, does something happen? Something happens that you can't see, and it's Gears turn again. Okay, cat free, ready to make a move. That is probably just another double move. Yeah, I'm following everyone else. Uh, let me shimmy in over there. How far is this? Uh, I don't think it will take me off the map. It won't. Stairs, stairs. We just had a discussion about stairs that I probably missed. No, that's normal speed on stairs. No problem. Yeah, you're not a wolf or anything. Okay, so I'm gonna double move to the plat- uh, the bottom of that second set of stairs. I- you're like a big old cork in the hallway. <laughs> you're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> now no one else can get through. Vargas is up. Uh, Vargas is going to mix things up and double move to stay close to Big Kira. And Asher. Moving again. Brixby. Yep. Now, in the single most exciting end to an episode and a fight of all time, something happens that you don't see. (laughs) And you're out of initiative because there's no more enemies on the map. And I'm going to go to bed. That was was too exciting of an ending. (laughs) Whoa. Good night, Sam. Wow. I'm not sure how you're going to be able to sleep after that, but good night. My heart is in a, a place where my heart normally isn't, like um, arm. My heart is in mm-hmm. my arm from the excitement. <laughs> Got some, yeah. like your left I too am arm heart. Good night, Sam. Good <laughs> night, Sam. Good night, arm hearts. <laughs> property of its creators, all rights reserved. Pathfinder and the Iron Gods Adventure Path are properties of Paizo Publishing. Please visit them at paizo.com for more information. Theme Against the Machine, written and performed by our own Zach. Please consult the show notes for additional music and sound effect licensing information. There will be no end to the dumb things that we will say if there's one, something guaranteed in this podcast. You have a brand and a whole network. So is, did Vaya just not move that scrap golem for the last week? She's been putting it back together. It's in better and better Just shape. out here in the hallway? Yeah. She's not taking it into her room. Yeah, world. remember, it's coalescing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> have you been yeah. on TikTok, though? <laughs> I guess that's a great way to describe Gen Z. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Wow. Just lost our Edit that out. We're going to have to beep that one. As Zach yeah, we really do. Starts Truly. a generational war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is the resident we really boomer. need to cater more towards our boomer listeners. <laughs> that's true. And, and you are <laughs> helping us make headway. 
Yeah. Oh, pardon me. I'm just going to reply all on this email. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Better send that one to everyone because otherwise you will have 18 years of bad luck or something. I've gotten chain mail before. I can do this one. I can participate in this joke. So after we worked this bit out about boomers and Gen Z in front of the dark stalker, um, creeper. Uh, he's suppose. Gen X. So <laughs> he's just over it. I remember when MTV used to be cool, man. They used to play music. Uh, but all right. We're going to really have to cut all of this out. We're going to manage to just (laughs) alienate pretty much everybody listening to this, except for, you know, the people from the silent generation. I'm sure that there's at least a few. Pausing for Izzy Retrieval. I used to use an external um, audio card for DJing. And if someone would hit that US, that very terribly soldered USB jack in the back, it could just skip crashed the program and everything was quiet for 30 seconds to like reboot which is really good that's what people who are having a good time like oh yeah (laughs) it's that moment of silence to kind of decompress (laughs) and then get back to the bumping yeah that's what i think happens at clubs i've never been (laughs) yeah giving that space so you can hear the ragged breathing and the the crunch of feet on plastic drink cups hmm yeah, it really makes a difference between like a, an average bar mitzvah and a good bar mitzvah. <laughs> and yeah, boy, did I tear those bar and bat mitzvahs all the way up. So yeah. much so that even trying to say the word puts me into a small seize. It was a oh. true mitzvah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Shifted the picture on my wall, even though I felt like it clapped quietly. <laughs> Thunderous bringing did together you your hands, hands on your desk when you did it. Like yeah, I had my elbows on the desk. Yeah, the vibration. But the desk isn't touching the wall not touching the ground and the ground's touching the wall i know because i've almost knocked my clock off the wall multiple times by hitting something on my desk even though mine doesn't touch the wall man y'all are beefy (laughs) podcasters just out here destroying your houses with claps (laughs) just deadlifting pa monitors i'm just bad at hanging things is my problem (laughs) Hands up. Uh, did I mention I have a cat now who's getting into things? I'll be right back. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Sam and I both know that we're like no more than 15 minutes-ish <laughs> from taking an actual between episodes break. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what's going on. Well, yeah, the cat ain't going to wait for that. <laughs> no, the cat for sure. Cats never wait. Yeah, I gave her four treats. No. I, I feel like this is reinforcing negative behavior like they told me to not do, but... That is, and we're mm-hmm. cutting all of this out because yep. there will never be a <laughs> wince of politics on this podcast. No, this is, this is the episode where we <laughs> blow it all up. <laughs> the episode where we define, define, oh God, divide our fan base between rabid anti-bipartisan folks, notaries, Gen Z rag-loving drippers. I don't even know if they call themselves that. I just made that word up. <laughs> rag-loving drippers. <laughs> What that that sounds so yeah. angry. That sounds like a slur from <laughs> like the like, Roaring oh It really sounds bad. Well, you know, it's be the least sensible episode title that we have to use. <laughs> it kind of has to be that one, and then I think we'll just apologize to literally everyone, just in case. I, mean, I don't know. Just the Gen that. Z, they, they put it on, and they're like, the it's problem drip. is you'll have to find a way to work that phrase into somewhere else in the pod because we're cutting this entire <laughs> stretch. Yeah, well, we'll just copy that and then paste it in at certain spits, spots, <laughs> spits, intervals.
Just over and over again with the rag loving drippers. <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like a terrible old timey band that would be spanging downtown. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Boop. It just popped on the screen so you could see it. No, it's not a biplane. Age of the Chariot. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Is that the Messiah Mobile? Like, what is that? <laughs> <laughs> I just really don't understand. Seeing, yeah, the We've just got to restart 67 games. <laughs> I know. <laughs> this is the one that never gets released. We just recount our, it our later blue, about yeah, what our, we talked about. This is going to be our blue episode that we have to apologize it's... for in six months. <laughs> hey, everyone. Why would you guys go from 66 to 68? <laughs> Yeah, it's like the guy on the front of what's his name's car in the second Mad Max. Yeah, movie. okay. Oh, there's yeah. definitely a what? crucified dude on yeah, there. Who was the bad guy? Yeah, it wasn't Toe Cutter. Toe Cutter was the first one. Uh, no, there's yeah in in Fury Road. There's definitely one. Um, there's like multiple yeah. war well, no, uh, stuff, but I think it's number yeah Road Warrior. Yeah, it's either one or Let's two. See. Either one. We should know our Mad Max better. Yeah. I, I mean, that's his too, name. That's with Lord, Lord Humongous. Humongous. Yeah. yeah, Lord Humongous. That's whose name I couldn't think of. The Ayatollah of Rock and Roll. Also, uh, oh, that's fun true. Mad Max fact. Chris Jericho? The guy who played the villain in the first movie, Toe Cutter, is the same guy that played the villain in the last movie, Immortan Joe. Same actor. Let's do it like a smart person. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? It's not me. <laughs> it's... I clearly can't use Roll20 at all, let alone make beautiful parallelogram designs. <laughs> um, Asher is going to get ready to roll a D-roll. D- 